0: It's great to, to have that celebration to de- together, and also it's great to have a, uh, a guest speaker with us today. We've been doing a series on Nineveh or, or Book of the Jonah, or if you're not new to church or don't know the story about the guy who got swallowed by the, by the whale, uh, that's kind of the story we've been looking at recently, and how God pursued not just Jonah, just but, but people as well. Uh, but it's great to have Rob Scott Cook with us today, Rob's a good friend from the church who's uh pray- he's one of those guys who tells you that he prays for the church every day. And you don't really say that unless you do it, do you? So it's great to have Rob and to uh, have someone who prays for us every day. And Rob is a is a Cardiff boy or Panath boy? Would you say Panath over Cardiff? Bit of both. <laughs> so but he's he spent a lot of his ministry in Bristol with a church and group of churches there over Woodies uh, who've been a part of some uh, great work in, in the city and seeing lots of people come to faith so it's great to have Rob with us uh, today and to to speak to us and so if you want Rob come up and I'll come and pray for you uh, as we uh, invite you uh, to speak to us. Let me just pray. Yeah Father we thank you that as we talk to today, today Lord that the mountains and the seas and the creation of the beauty that you spoke the words and you made them into being. It was the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that we have your revealed word of God, uh, the Bible, the story of your creation, but also how you pursued us, pursued people, and then how Jesus became the word of God and was the word. And so we just thank you that the word of God is real and alive, and we just pray by your spirit, through your servant, that you will touch our hearts. Lord, you know all of us. Lord, you know whether we don't even believe in you, whether we're just coming... Through an invite, or whether we are feeling dry, or whether we are feeling in a good place, Lord, you know all of our situations, uh, and yet you love us. And Holy Spirit, if we open our hearts to you, Lord, you will speak to us. So we we just pray you open our we open our hearts to you now, and Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to us through your servant, and do a new work in our hearts, Lord. Lord, help help us not just listen, but obey what you want to do. Through Rob now, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Matt. It's such a joy to be with you, and thank you so much for the warmth of that welcome. Um, thorn has a very special place in our hearts. In fact, uh, our, our link with thornal goes right back from before it was first planted. In fact, and uh, and as Matt said, we pray for you every day, and for some of you here, we. Pray for by name. We pray for Matthew and his family each day. So it's a real joy to be with you and to be sharing with you today. It feels like being with family, especially with the dedications going on earlier. So um, I want not just to share another sermon on a Sunday morning that we might have forgotten by tomorrow, but I want to kind of bring a, a, a kind of prophetic word, a, a sense of what I feel God is saying at this time into the life of the church. And uh, my prayer is that it'll have an impact on our lives, that today won't just challenge us but it'll change us that real sense of God's spirit at work so these three words have been very much with me as a kind of prophetic stirring this year and that's what I want to unfold this morning the three words are pursuing his presence pursuing his presence what does it mean in our lives To pursue the presence of God. Is the presence of God just something passive that happens? You know, we come into church, we feel God's presence, and we leave church, and we leave God's presence. Or can we actually pursue God's presence? In James, it says these amazing words. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We can actually actively... Cultivate that sense of God's presence in our lives. I'm conscious that we'll be, all of us, most likely in different places in our spiritual journey, as it were. Some of us may just be observers of it all. We're only here because maybe, uh, maybe f- linked with family or somebody in our family who's a Christian. But we're not ourselves. We're still we're still searching ourselves. Or some of us, perhaps, who once were really active, but we've gone through a dry period in our life, and it's a little while since we really felt that nearness of God's presence. We are here in church, but There's a a dryness, Uh, a while since we really felt that closeness. What would it mean this morning for us to really draw near to God? I want to share that with you today, and uh, uh, I should have said at the beginning, Pam sends her greetings as well. We um, together have always had a heart for Thornhill, and greetings from also Woodlands Church in Bristol. There's lots of good friends around here. In fact, some of you are close links with Woody, so um, today there'll be a, a thousand people who will come through Woody's, and today there'll be many folk who become Christians, and it's part of our vision every week to see people becoming to know the Lord Jesus. That's my prayer And here this morning. What would it mean to sense the Holy Spirit bringing that new life in Jesus? So these are the three things I want to touch on in pursuing his presence. That pursuing his presence means pursuing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, in those amazing words in John 16, that when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will make my presence, will make me real to you. The second is that pursuing his presence means pursuing fullness of joy in our lives. In his presence, Psalm 16 says, is fullness of joy. And then the third thing is that pursuing his presence means pursuing his purposes for our life. It's his presence that's key to his guidance. We're just going to read a brief passage from Exodus. You may have your Bible if it's church Bible it'll be page 69 or else online or else you can just see it on the screen. This is Exodus chapter 33 and this is where Moses is about to lead the people of God through the wilderness, 40 years with a, a rebellious people and such a challenge. He's asking God, "How is it possible to be able to do this?" And here's his words. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Come now, Lord, by your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Even now, as we unfold these scriptures together, may we sense your presence here in a special way. Lord, our prayer today is that don't send us out from here, Lord, unless your presence goes with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pursuing his presence means pursuing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes we go through periods where we feel very dry, very distant from God. Things have happened that have come between. Maybe people have let us down, churches let us down, God has let us down. We don't feel he's answered our prayer, and he feels miles away. For those first disciples, they had something of that kind of feeling. 120 of them were gathered in an upper room. They'd hoped for so much, but it's all fallen apart. They feel abandoned, locked doors, Fearful. And then suddenly they have an experience of God's presence like they've never known before. What happened? A mighty rushing wind, glowing tongues of fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now notice they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this is the birth of the church. It's important for us to understand. It doesn't say that, you know, on that day of Pentecost, and 90 of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And two weeks later, another five of them. And two years later, another five. And... 20 years later, the last of them, just about, and no. But they were such a mixed bunch, all at different stages in their journeys, as it were, and yet they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is the birthright of every believer. We can only live the Christian life in the fullness of the Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables us to live this life, experience His presence with us. Suddenly they all feel the presence of God in a powerful way. Now, why is that fullness so important? You see, it's only when you're full that you can overflow. Today you could be in a good place. You're feeling brighter than you have for a while and you're here at church maybe, you haven't been for a while and you feel as if you're 99% full. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good, you know, 99% full of the Holy Spirit. But do you know what? You won't overflow. You only overflow when you're full. From then on, Everything more that comes is overflow. In fact, we tend to have this tendency, even today if you're going for somewhere for lunch maybe to celebrate the dedication happening and someone says to you, do you want another roast potato? You say, oh, I'm full, no more, full, no more. But it's not like that with God. In the kingdom of God, it's the other way around. It's when you're full, you want more. Because like a, like a glass being filled with water, when it's full, everything from now on that comes as more is overflow. It's the overflow. It's the overflow of a spirit-filled life that's key to our worship. It's the overflow of a spiritual life that's key to our witness. You know, when something overflows, everything around it gets wet. It just happens. There's an overflow. There's a, a kind of natural supernaturalness about that, that overflow. What does it mean in our lives then to be living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit with that supernatural Overflow. It's not us trying to win an argument when we're trying to witness to someone. It's not us trying to find the right answer. It's just that overflow of the Holy Spirit. You know, for these first disciples, not long after that experience of Pentecost, they're in fact just on their way to the temple and uh, as a lame man, and they see an amazing healing, and before long, religious leaders are all challenging them. It shouldn't have happened. It's certainly not on this day. And, but even those religious leaders are so hostile to them. It says they saw their courage and their boldness, and they thought, these are uneducated men. But they realized they'd been with Jesus. It was the presence of Jesus that made the difference. Even today, you're here, maybe as a visitor to church, you're not familiar with church, or even. but you know, in the early church, when they were experienced something of that power of God among them, even a stranger would come in, and they said, the stranger will fall down, and they'll, even a stranger, and worship God. And they'll say, God is among you. God is among you. What made the difference? What distinguishes us from all the other people on the face? It's the presence of God. That overflow, that fullness of the Holy Spirit. Whatever we are, whatever we're doing. Lovely today with this dedication, just to again realize how how important family is to God, to us. To be praying for our children, for our grandchildren. This last Christmas, we went to have Christmas Day with our our son and his wife and family. we got three grandchildren. And uh, our, our daughter also came with us and uh, her husband. And uh, we were quite a gang together. And it was, um, we were in Birmingham. And this past year, Christmas Day, was a Sunday. And so we, we went to church with them. And it was unusual for me because here I am at church and I'm not preaching, I'm not welcoming, I'm not doing anything. And we, I was sat at the back. In fact, because we were quite a large family, they were, filled a whole row. And I'm sat behind them. And i sat behind them. I'm sat behind my granddaughter who's, uh, she's a bright spot, she just started a, a PhD and uh, um, she brought with her a, a, a dear friend she'd met at college and he's in fact from Denmark so he couldn't get home for Christmas and he was staying there as well and, uh, and service begins and as we stand to sing the first Christmas carol as it were, I sense that overflow of God's spirit, that, that kind of wow factor as I say sometimes where, ooh, uh, I mean I, I, I've, I've, I've prayed from a different time but this morning on that, I really felt such a stirring. To pray for them, and so much so that when we the services all went back for lunch, it was Christmas lunch with all the trimmings and that. And I purposely made a, an effort to, to sit on the co- couch beside Martin. That was his name, and our granddaughter's name is Hannah. And as I sat beside Martin, I said, "Oh, great, great to see you at the services." Yeah, he said, "It's all new to me." I said, "Oh, do you not know me?" Go? He said, "No, I never go to church." He said, "It's only Hannah uh, that's got me along to church." He said, "Oh," I said, and. Um, uh, so it's oh, oh, even here in the family it's all he said it's completely new they, they, he dropped his voice a little bit because the kitchen door was open for what we're making he said you know what they even pray when they're about to have some food he said at, here at home i said really could you you embarrassed by that he said well no you know it's nice to feel part of a community you know it's happening i said have you ever prayed never ever prayed he said have you ever read the bible i haven't got a bible i've never read it i don't even go to church it's all completely new to me really i said and is that something you'd be interested exploring about? He said, you know, to be honest, I would be, but I wouldn't know where to begin. I said, after lunch, we'll have a chat together. Well, we had lunch with all the trimmings. It was a full Christmas lunch, should I tell you. By the time we finished it, we then had games and charades. It was midnight by the time we finished. I never got the chance of that conversation. In the morning, I'm going back. It's Boxing Day, and we, we're due to be back. And so we just had breakfast, and we we're cheerio. And Martin and Hannah were there, and I said cheerio. And I said Martin, I said are you, are you still interested in exploring? He said, he said I, I would be par. That's what we call me, his grandad par. He said, but it's too late now. I'm, I'm off back up to Stafford. He said, and uh, I said, no, no, give, give me a, give me your mobile number. I'll WhatsApp you. So he did give me his mobile number. And um, just the day after, or the day after that, I, I-, I WhatsApped him. And uh, I did a video WhatsApp. So he, he was sat on the uh, sofa at home, and I- I'm speaking to him. we got his laptop in front of him. And we spent about an hour together, just the whole existence of God. if There is a God. The meaning of faith, what it means to believe. And he was genuinely really interesting. So at the end of it, I said, that's great, just a shame him out. And I said, would you still be interested in exploring the Bible? He said, I would. He said, but I I, I wouldn't even know where to look. I said, Well, look, I tell you what. um, Even though you don't have a Bible, and he was miles away, so I couldn't lend him a Bible or anything, I said, You can get one online. I said, And uh, in the Bible, there are four biographies of Jesus. They're nothing like your political biographies or great domes, domes, is it, where you've got to read. I said, You know, you could read them in a short time. I said, Just just take one of them. Take John's Gospel. You'll find it um, there in the New Testament. And just read the first three chapters. But when you read it, write down any questions you've got. He said, I'll do that. Sure enough, he did. And, and in fact, my uh, Hannah, our granddaughter, phoned me the next day and said, Pa, can I do it with him? I said, Yeah. So at the end of the week, send me your questions. And so they did. At the end of the week, on the Friday, they sent me their questions, uh, a whole list of them. And there's something very, very f- wonderful, you know, where someone for the first time is ever reading it. Even the very first line of John's Gospel says, In the beginning was the word. And Martin's first question why word? Why, why, why did they call it word? What, what, what I said, well, but we use words to communicate. That's how we, we communicate to one another, through words, and, and God wanted to communicate with us, and, and he's so keen to communicate that, in fact, that word became flesh in Jesus, and, yeah, but why does it say the Lamb of God? Is that because he was an innocent little lamb? You say to people, "Say, oh, no, poor little lamb." No, it says the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What do you mean by that? He had no idea of animal sacrifice. It wasn't the old. It was all completely new to him. Everything was new. He asked the same questions Nicodemus did. Many back, right back you know, what do you mean born again? And so he went through his questions. We were about an hour and a half by the time we we don't on the end of the screen. But they were genuinely interested. I said at the end of the time, I said, would would you want to do some more? Because you'd only agreed to do the first three chapters. And yeah, we would. We did a little bit each day. I said, okay, we'll do the next seven chapters, one a day. Yeah, we will. I I tell you what, Pa, as well as sending you the questions this time, can we also send you what we think are our answers? I said, yeah, you do that because it'll help me to understand where you're at in that. And so they did. Uh, 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 and the next week we went through those again. We were over an hour and a half going through some fascinating questions, Everything from the beginning. Of, what's a Pharisee? You know, and, uh, and so it went on. And then they did the next seven chapters. We're on week three now, uh, and again lots of uh, compassionate kind of questions that anyone might ask who's read a bit of Jesus' life. You know, well, if Lazarus was Jesus' best friend, why did he wait so long? Why didn't he just go and heal him? I mean, you know, I said, but you know, Jesus could have healed him there like that. But you know, if Jesus was to raise him from the death, that would even be greater glory. And Jesus says, this is going to be for the glory of God. And, and, and you could see them nodding and at each time say, does that help? And they say, oh, they have a supplementary question. And so he went through. By the time we got through that third one, we're almost finished now. We've only got four more chapters of John's gospel to go. And so I said, at the, as we got to the end of that third one, it was a Saturday morning. We normally met about 11 o'clock online. And uh, they said, oh, they said, um, I said, you know, when you're reading a book, an interesting book sometimes. On the back cover, often the author will give you a little paragraph that tells you why he's written the book. You know, he went to the Arctic and saw the penguins. He's writing about penguins. But this is what John does. Towards the end, he actually writes the reason he's written, he's written this life story of Jesus. He says, you know, there are many other thing, miracle, miraculous things that Jesus did that are not recorded in the book. Well, that's not very helpful. That's the things that aren't in there. So, but, but he says, These things are written sufficient for anyone to believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and by believing to have life in his name. And I particularly addressed, I said, Martin, have these last three weeks helped you to understand more who Jesus is? He said, pa, you can't but imagine it. For me, it was all just superstition and mystery. I had no idea. He said, but I've come to realize that Jesus is really someone really significant. I said, that's wonderful. And, you know, it goes on to say that through that you could find life in his name. Is that something you would Want to know, Martin? He said, I would. He said, I, I wouldn't know how to get that. I said, would you like me to explain to you? He said, well, can you just explain to me? He said, like, I said, yes. It's just some simple steps. It's not simplistic, but it's simple and profound because even a person who couldn't read or write, it's, it's for the whole world to be able to understand. Now, if I'd been there, I would have pulled out of my back pocket a most likely little copy. I expect you'll have some in the back of here of um, something like Why Jesus. But we're, not, we're on the end of a line, so I'm not going to do that. So, so what I did was just take an In Why Jesus, a little book at the back here, where just that simple ABC of what it means to become a Christian. A is to admit our need to God. Instead of making excuses, our background, our upbringing, but just, just be willing to say, oh, so, I'm sorry, God, for all the wrong things I've done. The Bible gives long words for, like repentance, where you turn, you know. And then B is to believe that Jesus, as John is saying, is the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And C is to commit your life to him. He said, but pa, how do you do that? I said, well, for many people, they may express those simple steps in a prayer. He said, I've never ever prayed, Papa. I wouldn't know how to pray. Do you want me to explain to you, Martin, what that might look like? He said, if you can. And so he just went through, step by step, what it means to say sorry to God and I said, would you like me to help you to pray that? He said, can you? And there, sat on that sofa with a, a laptop in front of them, we prayed together. They both prayed aloud. For Hannah, she already has a Christian background, but she'd been struggling in her faith, and for her, it was a chance just to recommit her life to Jesus. But for Martin, it was the first time ever in his life, as he prayed aloud those words, Oh God, I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done in my life. As he reached out, believing that Jesus, the Son of God, loved him and gave and then simply as he committed his life, he opened his life to Jesus And as as they prayed, I felt all heaven rejoice. There was something really this is my granddaughter. We talk about families, so I pray. Do you know, when we finished praying, it was Saturday morning, first thing they said to me was, Pa, do you think we better go and find a church tomorrow on <laughs> Sunday? I said, That wouldn't be a bad idea. And so they did, and, and then they said, Well, What's the next book in the Bible? I said, well, the next book is Acts of the Apostles, I said. And, and they said, can we do that? I said, well, it'll take you a bit longer, I'm doing a chapter, tonight, but, and sure, we just finished it a few weeks ago? And now they've just asked about baptism and just what it means to follow Jesus for all of us. Not just Christmas Day, but in our lives, wherever we are. That overflow of the Holy Spirit. You may say, but Rob, I'm struggling sometimes, a bit fearful. Of what me. No, I'm not talking, it's the overflow it's the Holy Spirit work in us and through us. Pursuing his presence is pursuing that fullness of the Holy Spirit. But secondly, to pursue his presence is to pursue fullness of joy. Psalm 16, in his presence is fullness of joy. Jesus himself said, You know that my joy may be in you so that your joy may be full. It's an overflow of joy. Yeah, but Rob, you're not going to have that all the time. No, all the time. What you mean? You, you, you're joyful all the time? That's what Scripture says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, verse 4. Uh, 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 unless you didn't hear it first, time. again I say to you, rejoice. But what about when you're going through hard times? Pandemic and all the suffering and heartache and grief and pain. What about cost of living crisis and the fears of financial challenge and maybe our job insecurities? What about a Ukraine war and just wondering what the world's coming to yeah, but this joy is not measured by how loud you laugh or how boisterous you crack a joke. This joy often is unspeakable, but full of glory. Peter, towards the end of his life, they're going through testing times, some persecution. Already some of them have been martyred for their faith. And he says these amazing words, though now for a season, if need be, we're going through all sorts of trial and testing. It's like as if our faith is in a crucible. It's being refined like Gold. He says, and yet we rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. The one whom having not seen we love. What kind of joy is this? see the Bible speaks of a joy that's not stimulated by external circumstances what is it that distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth We read, it's the presence of God making real that inner joy that all my springs of joy are in you when Jesus speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit if anyone is thirsty come to me and drink if you feel dry, empty if you're struggling come to me out of your innermost being will well up springs of living water you see What's distinctive is not, if you met somebody here Monday morning, tomorrow, and you're going along the road and they're smiling and they say to you, oh, you're, you're looking happy today. Yeah, I just passed my driving test. Well done. Or oh, I, I just got a promotion at work. Well done. I've just sold a house or whatever else. But there's nothing distinctive about that. Anybody else in the world would be rejoicing in that. Anybody would. If it's a joy just stimulated by external circumstances. But what is it when all hell's let loose around you? when life seems to be falling apart, when there's pain and suffering. You know, I had a friend the other day who was just going to the hospital for his results. And it was so sad and such a shock. Diagnosed with aggressive cancer, possibly only a short time to live. He said, my world seemed to fall apart, Rob. He said, when I went home, home I, I read my daily reading. I'd not had a chance to first thing in the morning. He said, I read from that psalm we had up on here, Psalm 139. He says these amazing words. All my days are written in your book before one of them comes to pass. They're ordained by you. He said, as I read it, Rob, I felt this strange inner joy welling up inside of me. What, you just had a... Yes. It's like a sense of peace, as if somehow my life is in God's hands. What kind of joy is this? In the midst of suffering, heartache, a joy that's unspeakable. You see, the joy of the Lord, it's not just that we know the joy of the Lord. When God has blessed us and we feel with No, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the source of our strength. Not just the outcome. Even when all around us, everything seems to be draining me, but there's a joy in the Lord. There's a fullness of joy. You know, I feel called to a life of prayer. And One of the things about prayer, often we struggle with prayer. Uh, I'm, I'm careful sometimes speaking about prayer because folk feel guilty or we feel, you know, I ought to pray more. We all feel we ought to pray more. But you know when Paul speaks in Philippians 1 about prayer, he says this. He's talking about how he prayed from the first day until now, even when he first met them down by that riverside. He said from the first day until now, he says, by always pray with joy. What kind of joy is that? That consistency, it comes in prayer. But there's a joy in prayer. I feel called to a life of prayer. And often, you know, we, we, we sometimes begin the year with a week of prayer and fasting together in church. And sometimes some folk won't just become Christians. They won't just learn to pray, leave alone, pray and fast. And they say, oh, Robert, how'd you do that? And some say, to be honest, Rob, I only pray twice a week. Well, this week, a special week, pray four times. But, Robert, when I pray, I only pray for about two or three minutes. I, I run out, I go, this week, maybe pray for four minutes. And, you know, just just... Just sense God take it, but but Rob, any any little clues? And I remember uh, doing something just off the cuff. I, I'm uh, pulling out a, a page of A4. I can't remember if it was a clear page or not, but I'll, I'll tell you now. And this little simple guide has changed hundreds of people's lives in prayer. I only had somebody the other day, been a Christian was like 50 years. And as we were talking, out of his Bible fell a little A4. He said, Rob, oh, there's my little A4 there. He said, you know, that's changed my prayer life, Rob. Changed life for me. It's only something simple now. There's nothing special about it. Just a plain A4, okay? I'm going to fold it into four. There it is. And on the first quarter, I said this. This is just sharing for that particular week of prayer. Then I said, just put one name or one person. But this week, pray every day for them. Every day for that person. Yep. On the next quarter, put the days of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And put another name, a different name. Or a situation; it may be praying for Thornhill Church, or praying for your local school, or you know, put another name each day. Pray for that one on Monday, that one Tuesday, and then on the final half of the A4, uh, if we wanted to actually. rise, as will know this because you've been present when we um, have uh, shared before. But um, the days of the month: one, two, three, four, five, six, thirty-one of them. If there's only twenty-eight days in a the month, then on twenty-eight you pray for three days worth. But um, one to twenty-one to thirty-one. Okay, Okay. This fellow I was sharing it with, he said, Rob, he said, I couldn't pray for all those. That's only about 40 people, he said. I said, I said wait a minute. No, every day you only pray for three. You can do that when you cleaning your teeth. But by the end of the month, you'll have prayed for 40. Here's the first thing that's really significant about that exercise. It's not just think of a name and stick it down. Who is it that God wants you to pray for every day? I mean, that must be really significant, every day. Now, just even today, just do that little. Go home, get a sheet of A4, fold it in four. Just do it, just as a little exercise. Who would you? Who in your life, in terms of priority, would you pray for every day? Who would you pray for once a week? Who would you pray for now? Over the years, my once a day will have grown. I don't know if I'll have it in my back pocket here, but my, my little kind of um, A4 one name has become many names because Thornhill's not the only place I pray for in situation every day. So, uh, in fact. Um, there we go. I think I got. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I have to keep changing this because it looks a bit like the Dead Sea Scrolls. But you know, my my, my, my uh, it's, it's got more tape on the original thing. But you know, folded up in my back pocket. Like every day, every day, I'll just uh, pray for. So I I pray for, for for Matt and the family every day, every day. And whatever I am, I, I know we need time. If the bus is late, I'm on the bus stop. The other day I was on the bus stop. Right, this is a White Ladies Road, you know, Bristol, and, and uh, it was it was about five o'clock. It was. Rush hour, and it was raining. the bus was steamed up when I got on it, the whole of the ground floor was full. I went upstairs. The top stairs was full as well by then i, I couldn 't get off because the bus had started and uh, I am stood there and uh, but at the next stop, two people got off from the front seat of the double decker right and uh, so I, I, I sat in there, I got my little uh, uh, my little sheet out to start praying, and I, I cleaned off the side window with my arm, it was all steamed up and i 'm starting to pray so there I am sat in the front seat, began to pray and uh, I don't think I quite got as far as Thornhill or Matt there, but I'm on my way down, and, and an older gentleman come and sat in the seat beside me, and he cleans off the whole of the front windscreen with his arm, and he says to me, as he's cleaning off, he said, I get a bit claustrophobic on the bus, and he's to tell me, I'm thinking, God, oh, I'm trying to pray here, it's a bit of a distraction. You no, know? But then I think, that wow factor, that overflow, that Holy Spirit prompting, no, this is not a distraction, this is an opportunity. So I said, oh, I said, why do you, you, you get claustrophobic just on the butt? He said, yeah, if it's all steamed up, I get claustrophobic. He said, uh, you know, I've had a checkered life. He said, "I uh, I was an alcoholic for many years, he said, and I ended up homeless on the streets, and even in prison, he said, for six months, he said. But I've been going straight now for the last few years, he said. And uh, I, I'm living out at Henry, which is the number one bus you're on, it goes to, he says. And uh, uh, I said, what are you doing now? He said, oh, he says, i got a job. He says, I'm, I'm restoring furniture, antique furniture, you know, where it's a broken leg on a chair or needs upholstering. He said, I said, that must be really satisfying, I said. You know, that's something that's really messed up and to be able to make it like new. He said, it really is, he said. He said, and what do you do? That wow factor, you know, the Holy Spirit. I said, you know what, I'm in the restoration business too. (laughs) Really? He said, what are you restoring? Well, for me, I'm restoring broken lives. Just like you shared how life for you has been different. He said, how would you do that? Uh, And and so I began to share, I had an amazing conversation with him. Just sharing that good news of Jesus. But how is it every day of our life, whatever we're doing, that prompting of God's spirit, that overflow, that joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the source of our strength, that inner welling. But the third is that uh, pursuing his presence is pursuing his purposes in our life, his guidance, his direction. Moses says, Oh God, to lead these people, who are you going to send with me? Moses, my presence will go with you. His presence is the key to guidance in our life. That's why whether it was a, a cloud or a pillar of fire, God's presence was always with them and a consciousness of it in our lives. What does it mean to sense the Holy Spirit? Even day-to-day, God's guidance and direction. You know, Scripture is full of those examples. You take something like, I don't know, Acts 8, when uh, Philip is seeing some amazing things happen in his ministry, and suddenly the Lord says to him, I want you to take that road going south. That one there, that goes down to the desert. Yeah, that's the run. take it. Really? So he takes it. He gets on it, and after a little while, see that chariot in the distance, that cloud of sand? Draw near to it. So he gets near, doesn't know what it's going to be. And as he gets near, he can hear somebody reading on the chariot. He's been to some second-hand scroll shop in Jerusalem and on his way back home, and he happens to be reading those very words from Isaiah 53, led like a lamb to the slaughter. Just those very words like linked with John 1, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That very moment, the Holy Spirit says, draw near to that chariot. What is in our life? You know, the other day, I mean, for me, with prayer, uh, and sometimes folks say, but Rob, how can, you, how can you pray regularly for so many different situations and not just become a routine? You know, God bless mum, dad, the goldfish, and the neighbour next door today, as it were. And because every day, every day, it's a bit like reading the Bible. I read through the Bible in, in a year every year, so I know these stories off by heart. But every day when I read it, folk think I've got a new watch because every day I put a little sticker on my watch, my word for the day. Even today, my word is in fact in Thessalonians 2. It's just the word faith, but it speaks about faith. Every day when I pray, there'll be two, three, four people that just jump out to me for that day. I feel, oh. And, and often I'll just drop my, an email that day to say you've been on my heart, which is generally you've been on my heart, <laughs> etc. Or, or, or I meet them... I, I haven't seen them for weeks, but when I meet them, I don't just say hi and go. This is a God appointment because you know they've been on my heart that day. And I've seen so many of my neighbors come to know the Lord. Where I pray each day in different ones of them. And and the other day I was praying for just a friend, Paul, and from church, and uh, he hadn't been around for weeks. And I'm praying for him. And uh, in fact, I I eventually that day went for a little prayer walk. And as I'm praying, I'm still feeling so much on my heart, even though I'd already prayed in the morning. And I'm going up towards a place called Blaze where we are. And I'm going along this road. I felt God say to me, "Go up that lane." There's a little kind of lane that shoots off. That could have been like a driveway almost, with tall stone. either side and I go up this lane and the halfway of the lane is a big bend in it and it's tall enough wall you can't see around the corner so I, I turn the corner I bump into somebody I say, oh sorry and it's Paul Paul who I've just been praying for and, but you see I'm not just saying a quick hello to him for me this is a God appointment that morning though I prayed for him for so many times but that morning it was he that was the one that jumped out to me and how is it in our lives you know that sense of listening to God let me just finish with this story. Many years ago now, that before, I, I was involved in... Christ- so this year, I've been celebrating 53 years of full-time Christian ministry, and uh, uh, you might have thought I started when I was in a pram, but, you know, my, my wife Pam, Pam's just celebrated her 80th birthday. I'm not far behind her. And, and uh, uh, so uh, I had this amazing opportunity before. In, I had an opportunity to do an amazing research project. I was working with one of the biggest companies in the world at the time, but to spend three months researching the industrial and technological development of Israel, the country of Israel, fascinating country. And uh, I spent the first month at the Hebrew University and then visited lots of places. But before I went, I'd always hoped that it'd be possible to visit a dear lady. Some of you could even know those you are old enough, but there was a lady called Auntie May who was blind. And she ran this amazing home in Bethlehem for blind and disabled people. And I'd heard about her from the person who was my spiritual father who'd mentored me. And during the, when he in the army, he'd been in, in, in the Middle East and had met her. And uh, So I, I, I'd written years before, uh, long before, as it was saying that I, I was hoping to come to the Middle East, but I didn't think it'd be possible to see. Her. it showed you how long ago it was. This is before the Six-Day War, so the boundaries were different. Bethlehem was in Jordan. You couldn't cross over. You couldn't go from Israel in to Jordan. And so it wasn't going to be possible. But after three months of uh, around Israel and met some fairly significant folk there, I was able to negotiate with the uh, British embassy a second passport. It was legal, but it sounds strange. And I had a blank passport. I was in in Israel, but I was going to be able to cross out of Israel into Jordan um, with a passport that I had, didn't have Israel, it was just a blank passport. And uh, it was a really hassly experience, what was known as the Mandelbound Gate in Jerusalem, if you've heard of it. And I was the only person crossing, and uh, they checked every hair on my comb and uh, everything about it. It was such a hassling experience. By the time I got through, it had been hours, and uh, I needed to try and find if I get my way down to Bethlehem now and find Auntie May and just surprise her, as it were. And I, I wanted somewhere quiet just to catch my breath. And so I knew about the garden tomb. If any of you have visited Israel, you may have visited the garden tomb. And uh, in those days, it was just an old green gate and a, a little gentleman on the gate. And uh, I remember just going through and sitting on a stone bench just beside me here and putting my bags down. And as soon as I put my bags down, the gate creaked open again. And I heard an old voice saying, Is Brother Robert here? I stood to my feet and the hair was going up on the back of my neck. I said, well, my my name's Robert. By now the gate had fully opened and the person had stepped inside and was turning towards me. She couldn't see me because she was blind. And I said to her, but uh, are you Auntie May? She said, yes, she said, and you must be Brother Robert. I, I could have fainted where I was. I said, but Auntie May... How did you know I'd ever be able to cross? And how do you know I'd be today? How do you know I'd be here? And she said to me like as if it was an everyday experience. She said, oh, Brother Robert, she said, this morning I was in the Lord's presence and talking to him. And he said to me, go to the garden tomb at noon today and you'll find Brother Robert. Well, I uh, talk about the hairs about my neck, my number. Uh, uh, you know, but, but that's like it was in those New Testament days. There was a sense. I went to stay with Auntie May for two weeks. Every day, it laid the foundation of my life, a prayer. When you prayed with her, maybe because she was blind, she'd cultivated a faculty of listening to God, of hearing from God. In such a way, when she prayed, you'd look around to see where the Lord was. I mean, it's such a sense of the Lord's presence. For us, the promise of his guidance is, is his presence will go with us. You know, sometimes we think guidance is a set of instructions, like you go to a strange town with an address, and you say to somebody, who's hey, could you tell me how to get? Yeah, you go up there, second right, third left, at the roundabout, to the second exit, down a narrow lane, you get there, and by the time you're trying to remember all the instructions, as if, you know, that's the way God guides us. But it's not like that. If you ask the person the address, and they say, to you, oh, actually, I'm going that way. I'll sit in with you. And as they go with us, their presence is with us, and turn next left, round there, and and is that sense, God's presence with us. That's my prayer for us as I close today. For a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. What would it mean for us today? No matter how dry you are, no how distant God may feel, you've been struggling to know his presence. What would it mean today, just like that rushing wind, that fresh touch of the Spirit of God, to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit? You know, some of us may have known that fullness at different times in our past, but the challenge is that it's like you fill a watering can, but it leaks. Or else just water evaporates, just the heat of the day. And we need constantly that daily inner renewing of the Holy Spirit. For all of us, we need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. For you, perhaps you've lost the joy of the Lord. David, when he failed God so dismally and he said, oh, God, just restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you lost that joy, that overwhelming joy, that overflowing joy, do you long to know God's guidance today? Big decisions in your life, challenges you're facing. It's not just, oh, quickly, God, say, you know, up there, turn right to left. It's his presence that will make the difference. I want to sense that now today. I'm not sure how best we might do that, but I want to sense we consciously respond to that. See, you've got to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How could we do that? This is what I think we'll do. We we get the worship leaders up a moment, and we're going to sing that song, uh, there must be more than this, okay? If this morning you're wanting more, this is your chance. Just consciously to draw near. When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So if the worship folk can just come and lead us in that song. This is what we're going to do. Um, I'm not going to say as we start the song, stand to your feet. I don't want you to do that. What I want to say is that if this morning, as we begin to sing this worship song, you are genuinely open to know more of the presence of God in your life. You're hungry to know more more of that fullness of the Holy Spirit, that fullness of joy, that fullness, of, then stand to your feet. I'm already standing, as I want more. My prayer is that all of us will be standing by the end. Some of us, maybe it's all completely new. If like my granddaughter and her friend Martin this morning, for you it's saying, yes, I, I do want to know more. I want to explore that truth it is in Jesus. Then you stand too, just as your way of responding to God. So let's begin to sing there must be more than this. Don't wait till the last verse. I'm already standing, and I'd love for you to join me, but only if there's that genuine sense you want to say, Lord, more of your spirit, Lord, more of your presence, that fresh touch. Amen. I hope that's clear. Let's begin to worship.